Hey everyone, welcome to the Chamber Channel's Five Questions podcast. This is the place where we take a deep dive with industry leaders for an inside look at their world. Well, today we're sitting down with uh, uh, the Hilton Head Market CEO, Joel Taylor. And Joel, it's hard to believe that it's been a little over five years now since you've been in the Lowcountry. Yeah, it's uh, it's flown by. It is, uh, it's a tremendous spot and uh, I realize that every day. Joel came to uh, to the area as the, the CEO of Carolina, uh, Coastal Carolina, and then also was the COO of the uh, healthcare system at that point. And recently has been promoted with Jeremy Clark uh, moving to another position with Tenet Hospitals. And now, uh, as I mentioned, now as I mentioned that uh, Joel is the CEO of the uh, of the healthcare system. And, and so, Joel, tell us as you get started in that new role, some of the goals you have and and uh, as, far, as far as the hospital goes and, and then what you see within the market. Yeah, certainly. So thank you for having me, Bill. Um, I'm honored to be in this uh, position now. Had a great, uh, great partnership and uh, mentor in Jeremy. Uh, and I've, I'm very proud of what we, did, we have done over the last five years. So uh, as I joined Coastal Carolina, uh, the focus was very much on how do the two hospitals work more collaboratively um, in terms of the services we offer, in terms of the partnerships that we have with local physicians and other community members. And that was that was part of the vision. Um, and I think we've done that. There's opportunities still to further those, especially in current times with the staffing challenges that afflict so many industries. Um, I think we're, we are certainly not immune to that. But in terms of goals for what what do we want to be like in the next five years? I would I would say a couple of things. One, we're community hospitals. In total, the health system is 150 beds, which on the scale of hospitals is, is rather small. But we do pretty incredible things for two small hospitals. And we say this routinely, um, uh, you know, to have an open heart program at Hilton Head Hospital, to do the advanced orthopedic and spine work that we do, to just have the robust services that are offered at Hilton Head Hospital, and then several that are complementary that are largely uh, focused at Coastal, we've worked really well together to, to build our system. Uh, as we go forward, it's continuing to develop and mature those programs. We have several new uh, physicians that have joined us in the last 12 to 18 months, so continuing to partner with them to expand the offerings in orthopedics, to uh, mature the cardiovascular program, um, to add new services within each of those, um, which uh, we expect to be able to offer early next year, uh, all with a focus on doing the right thing for our community in terms of providing high quality, compassionate care, and also realizing that within healthcare, and especially within hospitals, uh, the evolution has been the lower acuity, so this, the patients that are not as sick um, will be handled on an outpatient basis. That's only going to continue and accelerate, and COVID really saw that. Um, I think many of our orthopedic surgeons would tell you uh, when they started, a total hip replacement or a total knee replacement patient would be in the hospital three, four, five days. Now we are routinely doing those as outpatient procedures. So you come in, you have your hip replaced, you know, they, they, uh, which is a pretty traumatic procedure when you think about um, the, uh, the cutting of the bone and, and implanting um, a new hip and people are going home that same day. 
it's it's amazing. And COVID accelerated that for a couple of different reasons. Um, so um, I would tell you, I think our response will continue to be making sure that we're um, we are at the forefront of adopting those changes and also being able to take care of the sicker patients that maybe historically Hilton Head Hospital had to transfer out. Um, and so, for instance, we have invested in an intensivist program, um, uh, whereas we have dedicated physicians to our intensive care unit. So the sickest patients in a hospital are in the ICU. Uh, historically, for us, those were cared for by our hospitalists who, who care for the patients throughout the rest of the hospital typically, um, but intensivists have a special focus on the critical patients, so critical care specialty. So we expect to continue to focus on making sure that we're able to take care of the sicker patients. Um, so in short, I would say it's kind of twofold. It's one, being able to respond to the growth in the community, the, the larger growth in the community, and being able to respond to the changes in healthcare, um, being able to take care of the sicker patients and invest in those areas that, uh, that makes sense. So. You know, you mentioned investing in the air, those areas. And one thing that uh, I've always been very proud of with Tenet is their, their commitment and their investment uh, in, their, in, their, in the hospitals as well as in the communities. And was, I think it'd be helpful for you to talk a little bit more, if you would, about when I'm talking to people about the island, I'm saying, you know, we're an island of 40 to 43,000 permanent residents, yet we have the amenities of a city much, much larger than that. And that's always another, I make that a same analogy with people when I'm talking about our hospital. You know, we, we do have a limited number of beds, but our technology for a community of this size and what the hospital has to offer, you mentioned open heart and some of the other things, is remarkable. And I think it's important that uh, those in the region under really realize, one, how fortunate we are to have that investment here. And then secondly, the high level in which uh, your hospitals are performing. Well, thank you. Um, and I, I think there are a couple of different pieces to that investment. And so I would tell you, I agree with your sentiments entirely. Um, what's really unique about a 109-bed hospital, which is what Hilton Head Hospital is, is you, you get to know people and it is a community hospital. But to be able to you know, provide the uh, Impella uh, heart device uh, through our cardio, uh, cardiologist and cardiovascular surgeon um, to be able to do the hip replacements that we talked about and just recently have invested in the new Corey Smith and Nephew robotic system that Dr. Jason Norcross uses uh, to, to ensure kind of precisional placement uh, for those hip and knee replacements is remarkable. We're able to do that really. Um, I, I, credit, I credit two pieces to being able to invest in, in making sure that we're meeting expectations. One is uh, that so many people that live on the island and in our broader service area aren't from here. And so they come from large metropolitan areas. They come from the Northeast, from the Midwest, um, the, uh, other, you know, Atlanta, other areas in the Southeast, now more and more California. They come with high expectations. So do our physicians. Our physicians come from those same areas, uh, from academic medical centers, and our medical staff, I promise, uh, could work anywhere they they chose to. They just want to live here. And so they get to work and we get to work with them. And so our response is to meet their expectations, to invest in the services, to invest in the programmatic structure, invest in the capital equipment, and deliver on the high quality that they expect and that our patients expect. So 
I think from my vantage point, it's investment in a couple areas. It's investment in people, both physicians and colleagues. It's investment in the programmatic structure to ensure high quality results. And then finally, the financial investment as well, uh, that, that oftentimes anymore in, in healthcare is a requirement as well to be successful. People are familiar with Hilton Head Hospital, they're familiar with Coastal. Talk a little bit about some of the other facilities that uh, you have around the county. Sure, absolutely. So the probably the newest and, and, and one that is maybe marketed most uh, as of late is the Tidewatch Emergency Department. Um, where uh, it's just north on 170, just up from the intersection of 278 and 170. It's the Tidewatch Freestanding Emergency Department, uh, where it's staffed by board-certified physicians 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and it was the Low Country's first freestanding emergency department, one of six when we opened in the state of South Carolina. And, and the construct was pretty normal down in Florida and Texas, but new to South Carolina. And we though we thought it was going to be a worthwhile investment and, and a success. And uh, we weren't sure. It was, the, it was the first in the area. So it has proven to be uh, very successful. And in the midst of COVID, um, I would tell you, it has become a real asset to us and the community. It's uh, staffed and able to you know, uh, provide emergency care 24 seven, um, really anything that walks in the door any patient that walks in the door, we're prepared for. If that's a patient with a stroke or um, some uh, orthopedic need, a fracture, we're ready and, and staffed to be able to take care of it. And the, the benefit in the midst of COVID was we were able to continue to see the large number of emergency department patients that we have, have seen uh, just somewhat in a different setting um, because it has dedicated staff, dedicated imaging equipment, the throughput there of patients. So how quickly patients kind of move through our system was was uh, as fast or faster than it had been historically. So that's the largest investment. That was about a $15 million project. Uh, we own 28 acres there. I would tell you with the growth in Bluffton, we continue to look and see what makes sense um, to, to locate on the uh, Tidewatch site. Uh, we also have the Bluffton Medical Campus that is now uh, opened in 2014 as 100% occupied, houses a number of physician practices, uh, Riverside OB is housed there. Our Breast Health Center with Dr. Shelley Ringer, who is a uh, uh, who is an incredible surgeon um, and a partner of ours with MUSC, uh, is housed at the Bluffton Medical Campus. We have a wound care center there. We have outpatient imaging there. Um, New River Urology, which is a large a urological group, will move into that building um, in a couple of months. So uh, we know that that. Uh, is an anchor within the healthcare community in Bluffton. And we continue to look to see what else might make sense to house there. And then um, beyond coastal, um, near coastal, I should say, um, we have a, a two OR uh, ambulatory surgery center uh, that a number of physicians in the area work at for um, you know anything from ophthalmology to urology to gastroenterology is done there. So we have, we have invested up and down 278 I will tell you, we see that 278 corridor from Island um, on into Jasper County as our service area, as our community, one broad community that we want to make sure that we are the healthcare provider of choice and we work every day to earn that that business and that trust. Well, thank you for that. And uh, yeah, I'm sure our listeners would like to hear uh, 
a little bit about COVID. And when I talk about COVID, let's first of all talk about how it not only changed the world, but it, it, it changed healthcare. And what you see is some of the things going forward, how COVID changed healthcare and different ways you'll need to, to manage hospitals. Yeah, great, great question. And I think we're still learning. Um, and I've talked a lot about COVID over the last, you know, 20 plus months. Um, the, the positives, I would tell you, have been the teamwork across the board, the reliance on one another and the adaptability of the staff. So if you're talking about change going forward, what I what I believe will come about is a couple of things. One, um, the the speed of change within healthcare, uh, especially those that know the industry, uh, has been historically slow. It's we, we don't move quick. It's a highly regulated industry with a lot of um, uh, bureaucratic components to it. And science historically has not moved slow. We want to test. We want to validate those results. Um, COVID accelerated both of those. My hope and belief is that that speed of adoption and that speed of change uh, will remain, that we will, uh, we will make the, the difficult decisions that we've talked about for a long time, we will make those quicker, and that science too has just evolved so much in the last 20 months. Um, so I think the two big changes coming out of it, one, that continued reliance on teamwork that's always been there, I hope will be celebrated and will continue. And then the speed of change, I think, uh, we talked a little bit about it with orthopedic surgery. There are other examples uh, as well in terms of um, the patients that need to be admitted to a hospital over the last 20 months has changed too. That, that drive towards really the hospitals only taking care of the sicker patients was really pronounced in the last uh, 20 plus months. So I think that is probably here to stay as well. Um, more broadly, my, my, my hope and desire of the change is, um, you know, I think for our community, the focus on public health um, that I know people are tired of hearing about. I know masks are a burden for everyone, but I do think, um, I hope the conversation from a community perspective pivots back towards what is our investment in public health need to look like. We're sitting down today with Joel Taylor, and Joel's the new Hilton Head Regional Healthcare Market CEO. And Joel, you went on and got your master's degree from the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And, and then uh, just looking at some of your background, spent some time at a hospital in Tennessee and then uh, at a hospital in Talladega. And talk about your career a little bit, if you would, how that's progressed and transpired, and then ultimately how you got here to, to the Low country. Yes, sir. Well, um, you know, I'll start with um, I'm, I'm married to an amazing person who has supported me all along the way. Uh, my wife, Marsha, is is really the rock and the foundation of, of so much in my life. Um, we had the pleasure. Uh, I got very lucky and we met in, uh, in college at Birmingham Southern. Um, and then um, I really got into healthcare because of my father. Um, who was also in healthcare, and I grew up in Tennessee. So I, I kind of had that lean. Uh, I never, I never desired to be in the clinical aspect of healthcare. What I always enjoyed about a hospital is the the microcosm it is of of society. That that you really are largely self sufficient in a hospital, and that you have people from uh, physicians who are providing the hands on care to the nurses and the clinical staff that support them to the ancillary staff that supports 
the caregivers. Um, and by the way, we feed hundreds of people every day and, and we have our own, um, you know, HVAC systems and power plants at some hospitals. That's always been kind of my unique interest um, in healthcare and all with the right mission of taking care of people, um, which makes it really easy to get up and, uh, and start your day when you, when you realize the work that we do at our two hospitals, that the work that's done at all hospitals really makes a dramatic impact on people has been my motivation. And I've been, I've been very fortunate and blessed to have lived and worked in a number of communities in the Southeast. I'm born and raised in Tennessee. I'm a Southern boy. Um, and the opportunity to come to South Carolina, to the low country, to join Jeremy five years ago. Um, I had been part of a system in Alabama that joint ventured with Tenant, the parent company of our two hospitals. And they asked me to come and take a look at Coastal Carolina and, and join Jeremy. And it was uh, one visit and I was sold. Uh, the area sells itself um, without a shadow of a doubt. And it's still not lost on me um, when I drive around the area, when I drive over one, or, one of our bridges onto the island or as you head north uh, or south, just the beauty in the area um, is tremendous. But then I got to know the people. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable, the interactions that I get to have every day. And without a doubt, the question always comes up, well, where are you from? Because so few, and I call them the fortunate few that are from here, um, but so few are from here to meet the people and gain their, just hear their stories is, is kind of neat. And it's not really, it's not like anywhere else I've ever lived. So um, I don't know if that completely answers your yeah. question, Bill, but that's kind of a short, a short little diatribe on, on kind of where I, where I was from, but really the excitement that I have for where I am now. I'm going to, I'm going to use that phrase, the, the fortunate few. Yeah. I think that's uh, well said, well described. All right. So Tennessee, I got to ask right now, football, you Tennessee guy, Alabama guy, we're going to put you on the spot, well, get you on the record right yeah, now. That's, the, that's always the hardest question when you, and I've been here for five years, but uh, always, uh, especially in the Southeast, you're going to be asked pretty quick. Strange as it is, I'm an LSU fan. I, uh, I went to school down in Alabama at a small uh, liberal arts school, Birmingham Southern. Uh, at that time, we didn't have a football team, but my mom's family all went to LSU. So I grew up, you know, this time of year, Thanksgiving, um, we were always cheering for the Tigers, especially my grandparents and my uncle, who we spent um, Thanksgiving with. And so I, I became an LSU fan. Um, but having lived in other states in the Southeast, I do lean certain ways uh, when those teams aren't playing LSU. And I've always said, if and when I have two boys, if and when one of them goes to a major, uh, a major college with a major football team, my money, my fandom will follow my money in all likelihood. So, uh, but I look forward to those days in the future. So. You mentioned two boys. So when you're, I know your job's 24 seven, but uh, when you are away from that a little bit, what, what you enjoy doing? Well, uh, a lot of it is following them around. One is in, uh, in high school and the other is in middle school and say so they, they play sports. They, uh, one runs cross country, they both play soccer. Um, so, I really enjoy going and watching them. I love team sports. Um, I was involved in team sports as a kid um, and and love team sports. So I'm typically on the sidelines um, cheering them on. Or uh, and I never want to take for granted uh, the area in which we live right now. And so um, we, uh, we'll get on out, out on a boat um, whenever the weather is at all agreeable. 
I will say we've come, we've become kind of soft. Our first couple of years, the <laughs> first couple of years, I'd be out there, it'd be 62 degrees. Now, if it's below 70, it's hard to get me out on the water, but I do love it. Um, you know, and uh, I have on the, uh, on the occasion I get to go fishing. I, I love doing that as well. We've talked a little bit about Jeremy Clark, the former CEO, and uh, what a stellar job that, that Jeremy did here. And, and I can see so many similarities between the, the two of you. And I think that um, as a community, we're very fortunate to, one, have you here. We're delighted to have you here in, your, in the uh, leadership role that you're playing. And then also, I think we've been very fortunate to, to, for you to be under, yeah. under Jeremy and uh, having the opportunity to, to learn from him. And in my role here at the Chamber, I've had the good fortune of working with all the hospital CEOs and uh, just remarkable people that are committed to the cause. And um, it's always a delight to be able to, to partner with the, the hospital CEOs. As we're moving forward, looking ahead, uh, national nurses shortage, um, everybody's trying to get nurses. You know, I, I could ask what creative things are you trying to do? I'm sure it's the same creative things everybody's trying to do. So you you see the the uh, the area, the low country being an enhancement to your recruitment, whether it be with physicians or nurses? Absolutely. And, and I'll, I'll kind of take that intro as thanks to you, Bill, and your team for the work you do for our communities. I do think um, the chamber has a dramatic impact on how our area is viewed for any potential um, physician, nurse, potential colleague of ours, especially those moving to the area. Um, and I think that's a strength of ours. Uh, I just, um, you know, we have started, you asked about kind of, um, are we doing anything different? I will tell you, I don't know that we're doing anything dramatically different than every other hospital in the nation. I do think we have an advantage over many and it is the setting it is the community that is that advantage and so we are we are advertising now in several of the northeast states for nurses um you know uh we have had so so much of an influx of people moving here we've kind of said you know what nurses live there too respiratory therapists live there too uh MRI techs live there too. And so we are recruiting and we are advertising in those states that we see kind of a frequent, uh, a large uh, influx of people from. So New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, we've got radio ads that are being developed and and uh, we do some, uh, I'm gonna get out of, over my skis with uh, the geo fencing, kind of intentionally targeting certain uh, areas. So on a recruitment front, we're, we're we probably, cast a broader net than most hospitals uh, and most hospital systems in the recruitment. I think the piece too that is very, uh, you, you mentioned the nursing shortage, I think that's very, um, very clear to me is that this is a transformational time um, for so many industries and within healthcare, I think what we are going to have to do, and, and I wish I could say we have figured it out, we haven't yet, but what is that care team model look like in the future? Um, how many RNs do you need to care for X number of patients? How do you expand that number? Because the number of RNs is shrinking. What support staff do they need working more closely with them that right now uh, we don't have in place? So it's adjusting that care model um, is, is paramount to, I think, long-term sustainability. And so we're working through, we've hired 
um, a couple of new positions at Hilton Head Hospital, done the same at Coastal that we think um, we're going to test out, um, hey, can this work and how does it work? I will tell you from, from my vantage point and only been at Hilton Head uh, Hospital for six weeks or so now, um, but, but my traditional approach has been, um, let's try something, let's fail fast. If it doesn't work, let's move on. Um, if it does work, how do we continue to improve it and how do we scale it uh, to a larger size? So we're gonna, we're gonna endeavor to do that. And uh, thankfully, as we, we, we were talking earlier, um, we're, we're, we're on the downhill side of, of the latest COVID surge, which gives us a breath to, to assess how can we redo things? Because in the midst of COVID, admittedly, it's, it's a little hard. You're really more, more focused on day-to-day -day operations than uh, historically uh, I have been. Joe, one thing that we found is is in a recruitment process that the in the additional airlines that have been recruited yes. to the region is making it certainly much easier for people to uh, to live here and might need to travel some to for work, but also in your recruitment of of individuals to the region, we need to remember that the quality it's about the quality of life for our residents, but also will help those who you're recruiting get back to the Northeast or the yes. Midwest, wherever you might be recruiting from, to see their families. Absolutely. And uh, that's certainly something, an enhancement that, that makes that whole whole piece of it easier. As you're going forward, Joel, you, you mentioned six weeks, and it's hard to believe that it's only been six weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, I'll tell you that, that uh, it's a, a pleasure to sit down with you today. Those of you in the last five years who have not had the opportunity to meet Joel Taylor, um, I strongly recommend it. A great guy, going to continue to do great things for our community, uh, run a great hospital system here. And Joel, we're just honored to have you and thank you for sitting down and talking with us today. Well, the honor is mine. Thank you so much for the invitation. And I look forward to meeting those folks that I haven't met and, and being more in, involved in the, in the community here on the island for sure. Thanks everyone for listening to today's Hilton Head Island Bluffton Chamber Five Questions with podcast. We encourage you to tune in for future episodes. We're going to be talking with more thought leaders from throughout the low country. Wherever you subscribe to your podcast now, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, that's where you'll find your chamber. So tune in for future shows and future podcasts with the Hilton Head Island Bluffton Chamber.